Hey guys, welcome back to Group Chat, and today we are on our sixth and final habit of the series, the six habits of groups that actually learn. And just as a quick reminder before we start, you can check out all of our six habits in this series on our group's resource website at rushcreek.org. They are podcasts, and they're also a video series that Pastor Josh has put together, um, as well as all other resources that we have available to you. Uh, Just as a reminder, go to www.rushcreek.org, go to the groups page, and at the bottom, click on the resource button. Okay, we are back, and we are on our final habit of the six habits of groups that actually learn. Uh, The scientific term is called interleaving, but we won't really worry about that too much. Uh, What we're going to call it is mix purposefully. And back with us to close it out is the good doctor, Josh Rose, and he is here to explain it to us and help us work it into our groups. Uh, so, Pastor Josh, uh, go right ahead and tell us, when you tell us to mix purposefully, what is that all about? Thank you for having me this entire series. Again, I have a head cold, and uh, I sound different. <clears throat> Throat hurts, all stuffy, but uh, we carry on, right? Um, this series has been good. The series, uh, I've shared, I think in every episode, the heart behind why we're doing this is we really want to help group leaders um, have some effective strategies that will uh, create change in their in their group. And of course, we'll take a break for a bit, uh, regroup, start writing new episodes, and our next season will be all focused on the heart and uh, and that. So, mix purposefully is the idea of switching between ideas that you study or review. Now, the the science literature uh, started with uh, this mixed purposefully you mentioned it's called interleaving it's been around for a long time but it started in the top in the, in the subject of math mathematics and so learningscientists.org would describe inter, interleaved practice as uh, simply a set of problems mixed in a certain way and so what we're talking about is in your group um, but this this actual this this is actually a, a habit that doesn't have to necessarily be practiced in your group meeting. In some cases, that could be detrimental to what you're trying to accomplish. But it could be something that you, as a group leader, teach your group members to practice on their own. And by so doing, as it partners with the content you discuss in your group meeting they're able to develop deeper mastery of, of the text. So it's switching between ideas that you study or review. That's the definition. Okay, so that would be as opposed to just looking at this and then looking at this and then looking at this idea over here. Uh, so by kind of working them all together, um, why is that valuable? How does that help you kind of get more out of it? So... <clears throat> If you go on the, the leader resource site at rushcreek.org on our groups page, I've done a video on each of these habits. And the video that I've done for Mixed Purposefully, I use the, uh, I use the Old Testament. So there is a difference in Bible reading and Bible study. Bible reading is where you read the Bible. 
<laughs> Bible study is where you study the Bible. Um, and most people don't see a difference between the two. And some people may want to debate me on that, which, you know, okay, good, that's fine. But Bible reading typically is what happens in group is they read the Bible, then they talk about what that could mean or, or what that means and how it could apply today. Whereas in Bible study can happen in group. I think it should happen in group. Um, maybe not every single time, depending on the audience, who's there, how competent they are. Um, but definitely, definitely there's a difference. So Bible reading, you're consuming. Bible study is you're actually looking for trying to find mastery in the text. You're not necessarily focused completely on application. You're focused on mastering the text. And that has a continuum. That could be our spectrum, if you will. That could be all the way over to the far end of the spectrum of being like a seminary professor and doing what our, our campus pastors do every single week is exegeting the text, finding the original meaning that the author intended and the audience that it intended it for and how it applies to a, con- a contemporary society today and then communicating that to the masses. This is what they do every single week for us. It's so great. Or it could be the opposite end of the continuum where um, you're on your own and you're using your own commentaries and your own devotional books and your own supplemental materials to help understand what the text is saying. Because, um, as I mentioned in the video, the doctrine of the priesthood of the believer is such that we have the, those in Christ have the Spirit um, there with us, illuminating the text of Scripture. We don't need a priest. We don't need a pastor. We don't need any other... Uh, person mediating for us between us and God. The Spirit of God dwells inside of us. I mean, uh, anyway, so you can look that up and, and learn more about it if you want. But we're going to start preaching here. Yeah, because of that, we should have confidence that we can actually do. We can actually uh, practice the habit mixed purposefully. So, if we were to put that into an example, the video I use the Old Testament. So we'll just use the Old Testament, um, and you'll you'll get the idea hopefully. So rather than um, conventional wisdom would be, hey, I want to read the, the story of Israel. So I'm going to go with the call of Abraham all the way till Jesus' time. And then that's, you know, um, to the New Testament, right? In the New Testament, you know, those who codified our sacred texts chose to make Matthew the first book of the New Testament. But when you think about it theologically, the New Testament does not start until Acts, right? Because Jesus lived under the, under the law. He lived in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until his resurrection that the that the good news of Jesus was made to come to fruition, and then we have we have the good news. So let's say you want to do that. You want to go from the call of Abraham all the way till Jesus' resurrection, and that's when we get the New Testament. Great. Most people would want to. Most serious-minded Bible readers would probably get some commentaries, some Devo books, and they would just start reading. Maybe they would they would read one of the commentaries that puts it in chronological order. Uh, maybe a U version Bible reading plan, and they would just kind of consume the information all the way until. Well, that's not what we're talking about. Mixing purposefully is the art of switching between the different ideas of the the story of Israel, and you doing that in such a way that creates better mastery. So here's how that would work. Science would say you want to spend about 15 to 20 minutes every time you sit down switching between different ideas. Now the big question in mix purposefully is what ideas are you talking about? Well, this is where commentaries can help us because a commentator on the history of Israel might say the history of Israel is broken up into kind of stages, eras, epics, you know, ages. I mean, they may break those up. 
that you could you could break it up in any way you want. So you could say, I'm going to spend 15 minutes 15 minutes during this time of Bible study where I am just getting to know the characters of the of the history of Israel. Who are all the main characters? I'm going to get a, I'm going to I'm going to spend 15 minutes getting to know the major events in the history of Israel. I'm going to spend 15 20 minutes on getting to know the timeline of the history of Israel. And so breaking it up into those types of major ideas again where commentators can help us so that when you start consuming the word of God in the history of Israel, you're able to make connections because what mix purposefully does is it forces your brain here we get into the science. It forces your brain to now discriminate between very closely related ideas. Okay? So the difference is a Bible reader can look at – so we want to use an analogy um, – someone who is a counterfeit expert, right? So this person is trained to know when they see a fake bill. Well, the way they train counterfeit experts, as I've been told, I could Google it and probably, probably watch a YouTube video on it, is they make them study every detail about how bills are processed, how they're constructed, materials, what happens when different materials interact with the bill, and they're able to see the design, very minute details. They understand it. Why? Because they've been trained to look at it from different perspectives so that Whenever a dollar bill or let's say a hundred dollar bill passes our way and we receive that dollar bill, put it in our wallet, we look at it and it looks like a hundred dollar bill to me. But a counterfeit expert can look at that hundred dollar bill and snap of a finger and go, that's not real. Why? Oh, because this, 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 this. That's exactly the effect you will get with mixed purposefully because they have been forced to, to switch between different perspectives or – Maybe perspective is not the right word. Different ways of looking at the bill so many times and for so long that they now understand. They have a deeper level of understanding and mastery of what real $100 bills look like and what fake ones look like. So for the Bible uh, student, the Bible reader, we're just reading through the passages. We'll pick up on things and the spirit is never going to return void. So, yeah, it's beneficial for us. We do not want to ever stop Bible reading. But the student of the scriptures, the Bible student doing Bible study, when you start mixing purposefully, you're going to find that mastery comes so much quicker because as you start reading the story of Israel, you are able to pick out specific details. Oftentimes, well, I don't want to go down that road. The very first day of seminary that I, I attended, it was biblical hermeneutics was the class. It was my first class. It was like 8.30 in the morning. And we go in there, and the professor, Dr. Lee, he uh, is doing a role, and we had to we had to stand up. I mean, graduate students treating us like kindergartners, but you know, whatever. We had to stand up. We had to tell us our name, where we're from, what God's called us to do in ministry, and what our favorite book of the Bible was. And so uh, there was like thirty students, so it took a good while. But here's the mind blowing thing that happened. For every book of the Bible that was said, Dr. Lee gave like a two-minute thing where you say, well, my favorite book of the Bible is Psalms. Oh, well, you must be naturally inclined to adoration, naturally inclined to emotion. He started doing this kind of 60 seconds on the tone of the book of the Bible that we said. 
And the effect of that mastery, that demonstration of expertise, was me and my buddy looked at each other and said, we have no hope. <laughs> that level, of, we cannot achieve that. That dude knows the Bible. Well, how do you think he learned the Bible? He studied it. He took it serious. He was able to know the Bible in such a way that he knows everything, seemingly, everything there is to know about that book to a point he could wow us. Here's another um, way to restate this plainly. is If you're a parent, if you're listening and you're a parent, your friends probably could spot your child by the way they talk, walk, or act. Probably. Close friends, definitely. Maybe if you're just acquaintances, maybe just because you've introduced them or something like that. But you can tell if your kid's not telling the truth. You can tell, oh, that's not, that's not a cry I've heard before. Something's wrong. You, you're able to spot the subtleties of your child. Why? Because you have been able to understand them from different angles since the day they were born. In other words, to put it in the terms we've been using, you have studied them by switching between different parts of them their entire life. And that's what we're talking about here with the text. So, as I said, this type of activity of mixing purposefully, it might work against what you're trying to accomplish when you come together as a group. But you as a leader, you as a leader, training your group to practice this is going to create students of the word who have a level of mastery that they don't have now. I feel that seminary example on a painful level. (laughs) That is my life right now. But um, so for all of that, that... um, for someone, that could probably sound like a lot. That, um, you know, so for the leader who might be listening to that going, kind of basically having the reaction that you have with your seminary professor going, oh, I could never do that. I feel like if I tried to do all this, I would get lost or confused with everything that was going on. I just need to take it one step at a time. Kind of how would you encourage that leader that they can do this? Get into the commentaries, depending on what text you're studying, get into the commentaries and figure out how they have structured the passage, how have they structured the book. Another great example is to, um, you can go to your group's pastor or your campus pastor, they have one on their shelf. Clayton, you can look over at my shelf, I've got one up there, and get an introduction to New Testament, introduction to Old Testament, and just a survey textbook. You can borrow, yes, it takes some effort, but if I can just add this, if you don't mind, what are we trying to do in these group meetings? What's at stake? Is that not worth the extra 30 minutes it's going to take to track this stuff down? So for me, I'm very passionate about, yeah, go the extra mile. Go the extra mile because what you're trying to – God is using you in the kingdom of God to shepherd this flock, right? So so, so almost you want to say, come on in the Marines, suck it up and deal with it. I mean we don't mean to be crass, but really, yeah, go the extra mile and figure what that stuff is out. When you open an introduction to New Testament or Old Testament, when you open that book, you're going to find that these authors have structured the book of the Bible in a certain way. And just use that as a reference. We're not saying that that's gospel truth the way it's structured, but it at least gives you some help of how you can think about it. So the example I gave of you know studying the main character, study the timeline, study the major events, that's just my examples. There's a lot of different ways to do it. If you're studying a specific passage, then... There's even more examples than I provided today. You're going to want to just have a dialogue with from textbooks, from commentaries, 
you can go online and there's some some I know Russ has always talked about uh, uh, I think it what was it BibleStudy.org or Bible Gateway or something one of those sites like that. like that yeah yeah and his Pathways workbook he he's got it listed there. Anyways, you can go on a site like that and it can even give you help. Another thing you can do is talk with your coach, talk with your group's pastor, campus pastor, and their understanding of how the book of the Bible is laid out or the passages laid out, and then use that. But pretty much you want to stick to what people have done before you. The benefit of living in the 21st century is we've got centuries of examples of people who have studied God's word. So you're not starting from scratch. You're starting on the shoulders of people like C.S. Lewis, people like Thomas Aquinas, and you know all these other Augustine, these fathers of the faith who have helped us. You know, I like to use the phrase "pre-chewed the food for us," so that we're not starting from a white sheet of paper of going, "Well, I don't know what that means." No, we don't. We're fortunate. We don't have to start there. That's not our starting point. So the Spirit of God will not return void when you're engaging in this work. So. The, 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 the fundamental task of exegesis can help you. It may be too much for you, but if you're a serious student, you're going to want to go find what those things are. Look those up. Talk to your – pretty much any pastoral staff who's had seminary training is going to be able to help you here. And uh, they'll be able to get you well on your way. But don't get bogged down in thinking that you have to do it all at the same time. You could just say, you know what, I'm going to take the next six months and I'm going to focus on the timeline and the characters. And you'll be surprised at what the Spirit of God does. He may make you camp out on you know, the early part of Israel's history. Something that helps me keep you know, from having a panic attack of how much I don't know is that this is all over when Jesus comes back. And then the encouraging part is even when he comes back, we will never completely stop learning about him. Scripture teaches the Word of God lasts forever. It also teaches God's people last forever. So we are going to get to sit in all eternity with Jesus as our teacher, our rabbi. And he will be able to teach us everything that we're wanting to know. We will never know everything. I want to get that. I want to squash that heresy. We will never know everything. Scripture does not give us any clue that in heaven every answer will be given to us. Otherwise, we would be omniscient like God. Not going to happen. But God is so rich and complex. His word is living and active, useful for teaching, rebuking, and correcting. Sharper than a two-edged sword. It's, I mean, all those things. We will be able to continue to mine the riches of God's word, and we should. And as a group leader, we get the privilege of leading our flock on how to do that. And mixed purposefully is a habit that will help them deepen their mastery. Good word, good word. Well, Pastor Dr. Josh, thank you again for uh, helping us with this. That's going to do it. That is habit number six. Uh, we'll have one more episode after this, uh, a follow up on the whole season, and then we will break. Uh, so we've got one more coming your way. But thanks again, guys, for listening in. We always hope that this is helpful for you. Thanks again, guys, for listening to Group Chat. Just as one more reminder, if you go to www.rushcreek.org, go to the Groups page, and click on the Resource button, you can catch this entire series of podcasts 
our first series of podcasts. Um, our six habits are also available as videos um, and tons of other resources that we've made for you to help you be the best leader that you can be. So just go to rushcreek.org groups page, scroll all the way to the bottom, and then there's a link that says resources, and that is where you go. Thanks, guys.